Sefer Shmot, Parshat Mishpatim, evil can be used for good. The sages taught that each person possesses two inclinations constantly at war within a person, a Yetzer Hara, evil inclination, and a Yetzer Tov, good inclination. While the approach of the leaders of the Musar movement, concerned with spiritual and ethical development, was to conquer and change our evil, the approach of the Hasidic Rebbe's was to harness this evil inclination towards the good. Why let so much negative energy go to waste? Talmudic sages taught that the world could not be sustained without the evil inclination. Said, since this is a time of divine grace, let us pray for mercy from the evil inclination. They prayed for mercy, and it, the Yetzirah, was handed over to them. It said to them, realize that if you kill me, the world will be destroyed. They imprisoned it for three days, then looked in the whole land of Israel for a fresh egg and could not find one. When the rabbis attempted to lock up the evil inclination, it meant that there was no longer any desire for sexual procreation. If there could be no births, the world would be destroyed. Further, the Midrash taught that without self-interest, commerce ceases. There would be no productivity without a minimum quantity of societal competition, jealousy, even greed, perhaps. All traits the rabbis assumed were needed for one to excel in the competitive business marketplace would amount to nothing. We cannot kill our own egos. Rather, we take that drive for self-gain and channel it toward just and holy measures. Parshat Mishpatim prompts us to remember the importance of ethics in business. We're not asked merely to go out and do good but to guard our business dealings carefully. The Ramchal taught that the Torah asks much more of us than simply not to steal. Most people are not outright thieves, taking their neighbor's property and putting it in their own premises. However, in their business dealings, most of them get a taste of stealing whenever they permit themselves to make an unfair profit at the expense of someone else. Today, there are so many ways to make money, and each person must hold themselves accountable. Even if there are loopholes available that help to skirt legal scrutiny, the bare minimum of honest behavior does not make these actions right. A Barbanel, in his commentary on Genesis, taught that political and economic realities people view as inevitable are not a necessary element of the human condition. Rather, societal structures were often developed due to the selfish, and evil motives of the economically powerful, not for the sake of the welfare of the world. It is therefore our duty to ensure fair recompense for those who work hard and pay their dues to society. Wealth is not considered negative in Jewish thought, nor is asceticism a positive. Achieving or maintaining wealth by dishonest or unfair means, however, is deemed deeply iniquitous. Further, one is doomed to live an empty existence if wealth becomes the primary goal. The Rambam taught that Jewish moral and spiritual growth should be our core priority. One should not aim first at accumulating wealth and then devoting time to the study of the Torah. Rather, one should see one's study as permanent and dominant and one's economic endeavors as marginal and temporary. This study is not meant, however, to be a means to economic or personal profit. Torah study, which is not accompanied by economic activity, is liable to end in sin. And those engaged in this form of study will end up by robbing their fellow men. As always, Maimonides taught that we must strike a balance. 
Being consumed only by work or only with spiritual materials would both lead to moral decay. Achieving equilibrium ensures that we view ourselves as both humble and majestic. We will do and we will obey. How tensed must one be accepting responsibility before knowing the extent of one's commitments? In our complex world, we often feel overwhelmed and anxious. The cost of living is high. Our moral responsibilities are great. The demands on our time are substantial. The spiritual challenges are heavy and relationships are complex. However, we strive for happiness and peace within that race. It seems like one can either choose complexity and anxiety or simplicity and happiness. But must that be so? Can one choose a path of actualizing one's unique potential and living with joy and inner calm? Indeed, can one find balance in the disarray of modern living? The Jewish tradition contains within it a rich literature that provides inspiration about tackling the complexities of life's challenges. As a people concerned with the minutia and exactitude of wisdom for its own sake, it makes sense as well that Jewish ethics evolved in tandem with a sense of creating opportunities that allow us to transcend mundane tasks by pairing them with a divine purpose. Such is the case that we will follow in this conversation. The Torah portion of Mishpatim is as inspiring as it is overwhelming and anxiety-provoking. It is a partial packed with ethical responsibilities and societal demands that establish order and ways to handle those who transgress that order. The scope of the parsha encompasses all sorts of human ills and remedies including murder, property damage, theft, self-defense, loans, judicial process, and more. And while Mishpatim deals with concrete societal problems, it also raises a deep and disturbing question. Why is it so hard to live an ethical life? Why does the Torah add to our already hard and anxiety-provoking reality? How can we enable ourselves to face both the challenges of contemporary American life and the ancient challenge of living an ethical life of Torah. For me, a first step to answering these questions is to recognize one's own limitations and to be vulnerable even at the most trying of times. If one has not yet addressed the messiness of one's inner life, one will have limited capacity to address the messiness of one's outer life. Therefore, it's crucial to first achieve emotional health and spiritual clarity on one's life mission. The character trait, the midah, that is required to obtain this balance is menucha tenefesh, equanimity. Cultivating equanimity is the crucial ingredient to living a meaningful, passionate, purposeful life in joy, peace, and inner calm. Traditional thinkers tell us to cultivate the midot of trust and faith, bitachon and emunah. We need not worry too much, they suggest, since ultimately God is in control. Everything happens for a reason. So much is beyond our control. We should not get too worked up in worry, fear, and anxiety, they teach. Years ago, Alan Marinus and Avi Fertig of the Musar Institute shared in a program where I was learning that the word for worry, da'aga, has four of the first five letters of the Aleph Bet. The one missing is Bet, which represents bitachon. One who is lacking trust will end up with worry. Rabbi Shalom Noach Berzovsky the Nativot Shalom, a late Hasidic thinker, explains that there's two types of trust. First, we learn from the Exodus from Egypt how to give up control, be patient and wait. And second, we learn from the splitting of the sea how to rise up and transcend our limitations. These are two very different spiritual truths we can embrace at different moments of our journey. 
each day we must ask ourselves, in what area of my life do I need to just stay the course, let go of control, and stop wasting so much of my physical and spiritual energy in anxiety about that which I cannot control? Each day we must also ask ourselves, in what area of my life do I need to rise up, become more active, take control, and create change? Worry can be holy when it is about something profound and warranted. It can be channeled, refined, and even appreciated. But worry also allows us to push our bodies and our minds to be their best. If we are worried about a college placement test or an interview for a dream job, or if someone wants to be our partner in marriage, then the reward when seeing such goals achieved is all the sweeter and consequential to our identity in this life. While we must do all we can to strive forward, we also remember with humility that we are limited beings. The rabbis taught, you're not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. We are not angels perfectly prepared to fulfill God's will. No, we are human beings per profoundly imperfect and limited. This sensibility should not lower our self-esteem, but give us a healthy sense of balance and perspective. Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak HaKohen Cook taught that we must repent for being overly obsessed with details and for missing the big picture. He wrote, when a great person involves themselves too much with details, whether by studying them or by anxiety about them, they are diminished and their stature lessened. They must return and repent with love, with greatness of soul, and bind that contents of their spiritual life with great and sublime ideas. Certainly, he must not slight any detail and always expand force and holiness in their deeds as well. This is one of the crucial points of Parshat Mishpatim. Laws and ethics are complex. It is so easy to get lost within the minutia of the rules and fail to zoom out to the broader principles guiding our moral lives. To be clear, Rav Cook deeply valued details. Furthermore, there are too many today who are clearly not concerned enough about facts and the process of truthful inquiry. However, Rav Cook was aware that one easily begins to worship details in a way that is paralyzing for one's broader spiritual vision and for actualizing our most cherished values in the world. Complexity should lead us to pause and reflect, yes, but complexity should also guide us to be our moral and societal responsibilities. The rabbis teach three things sap a person's strength, anxiety, travel, and sin. To be a Jew means one is to think critically and open, openly about life, to seek and find a proper balance in everything. No matter how strongly we are pulled in one direction, we must always pause and ask ourselves if this is indeed the direction we should be going in. The path that we follow determines so much in our life. For me, creating change is based on Jewish spirituality. Jewish spirituality is not a one-time-a-day one act. We do not simply meditate or pray in the morning and declare ourselves done. Rather, Jewish spirituality is about carrying a spiritual consciousness throughout our day. Our child is screaming in the middle of the night, and we center ourselves. Our colleague at work is being obnoxious and triggering us, and we reground ourselves. We want to scream and complain to our life partners, but we internally calm ourselves rather than externalize our aggravations. We see a multitude of options ahead of us, and we take the time to inquire which of them might be the path guided by the mitzvot of Parshat Mishpatim. Rather than being ruled by outer stimuli, 
we contain them. There is a quiet inner stillness that helps us steer through the messiness, the messiest storms around us. Menucha Tanefesh provides us with spiritual clarity. As we journey from darkness to light, from uncertainty to clarity, from the oppression of Egypt to the freedom of the promised land, each of us will need to take some time to discern between the urgent and the unimportant. May the values embedded within Parshat Mishpatim help us to achieve the inner calm, the equanimity we need for this task. With cool-headedness, we can cultivate the empathy to see beyond ourselves, to others, and the wisdom to determine our next steps on our paths. In Parshat Mishpatim, we read that Moses ascended the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The Kutzke Rebbe shares that it is easy for the masses to stand afar and tremble at the sight, but that Moses entered the dark cloud, knowing that the deepest spiritual treasures are not found in seemingly perfect certainties, but rather in humble places that are oftentimes quite blurry and uncertain. And so we should prepare ourselves, our hearts and our souls, for a life on earth and in the midst of the clouds. Shabbat Shalom.